Now, I, I don't normally do this, but I, I want to read you word for word what I wrote for the uh, promo piece uh, that's been up on social media and the website for this series. And it's a bit dramatic, and I write that way sometimes, but I wrote it in this way this time because I really feel it. <laughs> I really feel this way about it. And so I, I just want to I wanna share this with you and open up with this this morning. This is what I wrote. It says, this is important. Community is crucial to the life of any church, but if we get relationships right, discipleship will follow. If we connect people in a real-world faith community, they will grow. We can't build community by way of programming, but we can create the pathway and the opportunity for birthing healthy community. That's what we're spending the rest of February gearing up for as a push into this new culture of connect groups coming in March. There is something powerfully unique about an intimate gathering around a living room, a classroom, or a dining room table that forces us to think differently than when we're in the big room. So isn't it going to be a mess? Yes, it will be a mess. But small group community is where much of the theology taught from the pulpit has the opportunity to be fleshed out in conversation and in action. And if we want to be a church on mission, then yes, we should teach from the pulpit, but then follow through and equip ourselves to wrestle with it in community. It's messy that way, but it's also fruitful. Come on. (laughs) We want to do everything that we can with Holy Spirit's help to make destiny all about Jesus' love for us, through us. This is us. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's read our scripture for this morning. We're going to be stepping into today from Hebrews chapter 3. And this is what it says. It says, so search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you. For it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. This is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. For we are mingled with the Messiah if we will continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, we want to be mingled with you this morning. (laughs) We're your children. You've called us. We're your sons and daughters. Lord, I just pray that this, uh, our gatherings here on Sunday mornings would be a time that you would bind us together, both to you and to each other, God. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. So about a year ago, in January, um, we were in the beginning phases of helping our church that we were part of down in Bayfield, Colorado, launch into a culture Uh, of community that was spearheaded by our senior pastor's heart and vision for the church. And we were launching into something similar of what we are calling the the Finding Your Destiny growth track here. And we were doing our first big push for small group communities um, about this time last year at that church family as well. So my role as the associate pastor was to lead that charge and put the structures in place and uh, help facilitate that transition. Now, as part of that process... We had been praying about what is a good option for us, what's a good way for us to meet the needs of new believers, to to bring them into the fold, to to fellowship with them. And after talking 
to several pastor friends in the district who've been doing ministry way longer than me, um, I came up, I came across this option called the Alpha Course. And some of you have been a part of it. I've had conversations with you. Um, um, the Alpha Course is, is really life-giving for me. And this is these guys. Um, I took this picture one of the days in, in the classroom there where most of the people that were in my group they were just missing just a couple. In fact, I just snapped this picture one night because one of our one of our group was missing, and we said, well, we need to send a picture to Bobby. So we sent a picture to Bobby, and that was, we, we said, hey, and, and that was us. So I launched into this 12-week venture as the leader of this class, and I discovered a bunch of truths, or I rediscovered some of them as I went through this process. And, you know, nothing, nothing um, earth-shattering or anything, but it, it meant something to me. Small group community in that way is powerful. It was powerful to me with this group of people. Um, it's good, even for introverts like me. <laughs> it was really good. Um, small group community was very fruitful in the life of, of our church that we were part of there. And it helps the whole church to strengthen and grow, not just the small group. And so I'm going to unpack a bit more on all of those points as we go along in this series. We're just going to be on this for three weeks, kind of leaning into to March when, when, when we kind of launch Connect Groups. And I'll be talking about that as we kind of go through these next few weeks. But I, I really do believe that we simply are not wired to do life alone. We're not wired to do life alone. And so anyway, the, the point is this, this was transformational, this Alpha group for almost everybody that was, was in, the, in the course with us. And I know that you just have to trust me on that. Um, but almost everybody in this group, I can almost, almost 100% assure you, if they were here this morning, I, I believe that they would tell you that that was the case. Now, um, this is a class that walks through some of the foundational stuff, if you're not uh, familiar with Alpha, foundational stuff in the Christian faith. Topics like, who is Jesus? And why did he have to die? And why and how do I pray? And why and how should I read the Bible? And how does God guide us? And who's the Holy Spirit? And what does he do? And how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? And does God heal today? And what about the church? We ask all those big questions. And the cool thing is, I'm really excited about this. We're going to be launching um, Alpha as part of our Connect Group launch coming in, uh, in March. So if, if, if that intrigues you, um, there you go. I just gave a little commercial for it. But, but we had several new believers that were, were in the class, which was way cool. Um, but we also had some people who had been in the faith for a very long time. We had um, four ladies that attended that were part of this mentoring group together. And so they came together. I had another guy who was part of it that was kind of shadowing me. And he ended up leading the class after, after we made our transition. There was even a lady who attended and who is not of the faith, but, became, but she came at the prompting of a Christian friend who, that were leading the class all the way over from the East Coast, emailed her friend and said, hey, you got to go check this out. And so she did. And the awesome thing, we'll call her Bobby for, the, for, the, for our purposes today. That's not her name. But Bobby fell in love with everyone in the group and us with her. And she still talks about Alpha and her Alpha friends on social media to this day. In fact, uh, she plans on, on coming up here and visiting us in the Black Hills sometime. And I'd, I, I hope I get to introduce you to her someday. So even though she hasn't prayed the salvation prayer yet... Man, there are so many people that love her and love God um, that are in her life now, that are a part of her circle, that I, I just imagine that it's, it's still coming. So there, this is a picture of a really deep community that was formed out of the context of our local church. And we felt a deep connection because there was tears that were shed. 
in this group, there was a lot of laughing and sharing of life stories and experiences. There was a, a weekend retreat that we had. And, you know, so we had that shared experience together. And the group meant so much to us that it was just natural for us to keep wanting for it to go. And so even after the course had kind of ended, there was an alpha barbecue that summer, and we got together and we shared some barbecue, and Bobby was there, and she prayed the prayer for our meal with all the rest of us. <laughs> Blessed our barbecue. And, you know, so that was, there was such a strong sense of community, and that's what I want to challenge us to push into as a church family. That's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to be dwelling for the next few weeks. And let me just say this, we already have many pockets of this happening all over the place. And, and the thing is, every church, I believe, a, a Christian church is birthed out of a desire to see a strong for, community formed around what? The, the love of Jesus, right? And the love of, and the mission that he gives us, Jesus and his mission for us. And uh, from the very beginning, I, I know that pastors, Brent and Tana, you know, our founding pastors, their desire is to create a community of Jesus followers who are in community and created community. That, that heartbeat has always been there. And a community of Jesus followers who are on mission together, men and women who are moving together in the same direction, and they're asking, you know, what does it mean to live in this world and to follow Jesus? That's, that's what the body of Christ is. And so who, people that are in actual relationship with each other and we're involved involving other people in the same um, context and community so that we can get that that could get more difficult the the larger a church grows right and so as the church grows the numbers we've got to do this we've got to go small to grow big it just makes sense we've got to go small to grow big and so if you're new to church this morning um and you just walked in and it sort of feels big and it feels kind of linear because that's the way we've got the chairs set up. Here's the thing. This gathering here is just the tip of the iceberg this morning because at the core of what we do, it's not about sitting in rows. Can I just say that? Can I say that and be okay? Is everybody okay with that? It's not about sitting in rows, but it's about getting in circles. And what do I mean by that? I mean face-to-face. I mean in relationship. I mean in the context of community, loving each other. You know, what does Jesus say is at the core of the gospel? Love God and then what? Love others. We're, that's us. <laughs> this is us. And so that others includes us. So circles, if I can even say it this way, circles, when I'm talking about it this way, they're better than rows. Yeah. What does that mean? Is that there are things that can happen face to face that aren't going to happen shoulder to shoulder. And I want to be committed to being a face-to-face church, not just shoulder-to-shoulder. We have several amazing groups that are doing this already. Our Harp and Bowl group that meets on Tuesdays is a prime example. They've been a strong community in our church body for a long time. Several of you are part of that. And now it's not a, a large group, but it's, that's never been the goal. But I will tell you something about them. They are fiercely passionate and a loyal group to worship and to prayer. And I would say to each other. Many of them have been doing it for so long. They've been a part of that. They've, they've been singing and praying together for so long. There's a group of around, probably right now, averaging around 15 to 20 that gather every Tuesday night over there in our office building. And if you've never been stopped by sometime, it's a, it's a regular part of my month. I always, uh, it's, I always go over there. I, I lead a set. And I, I love it. The, you, you can just feel God. And you can also just kind of feel the hug of, of your church family loving you. It's an amazing thing. 
And so today I, I want to talk for a few minutes about why circles, community, family is so important. And there are many reasons that this is important, but today I just want to talk about one. And as a, as a parent, it's one that I am so thankful for, but as a Christian, it's one I'm extraordinarily thankful for. And the reason that this is a big deal is because all of us, and I am part of this when I say this, we drift. We drift. What do I mean by that? We naturally drift away from what is holy and wholesome. Have you noticed that? You know, it's, it's like you, you rarely drift in a good direction on accident. You, you, you rarely drift in a good direction in terms of your health. You, you rarely drift in a good direction um, when, it, when it comes to exercise or diet or, or budgets or even healthy relationships. You do not drift into a healthy relationship. If you want a healthy relationship, what is it? Whether it's friendship or it's, it's uh, somebody you date or a marriage, you have to be intentional, right? And so when we drift relationally, we drift in bad directions because we all have this tendency to drift and drifting most of the time is not good for us. So, and that intersects with our relationship with God too. Our relationship with God takes some intentionality. We know that. Our relationship with God takes some time. It takes some discipline. Um, and so consequently, if we're not intentional with our relationship with God, what happens? We find ourselves in a drift because of the gravitational pull of life, the current of life. So in many areas of life that are important, we are swimming upstream. We're swimming upstream. It's, 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 kind of a, it's kind of a struggle there. You've got you to push into it. So whether you're trying to have a healthy marriage, healthy relationship with your kids, um, overcome bitterness or anger, or deal with a, maybe a difficult boss, uh, pursue a relationship with God in a culture that's you know, not going to facilitate that, it's upstream. But here's what we know this morning is that it's worth it. It's worth it. Can I get an amen? Okay. <laughs> because wherever you have made the effort to better yourself, wherever you've made the effort to overcome an obstacle, overcome a relationship, get out of a situation that's dragged you down, it takes effort. And you, you might be swimming upstream, but it's worth it. Here's one of the core tenets of Christianity, and here's one of the things that's so central to everything that we do as a church family. When it comes to swimming upstream, we have not been called to do this alone. We have a family. That's, that's part of the beauty of the church and what God has called us to together is we have this community and we can swim together. And so that's the power and the beauty of community. Because when you're in a community with, when you're in a friendship with and you're in a circle with people who share your values, they share your love for God and they're trying to get to the same destination that you are, it's so much easier. And in that capacity... That capacity, I would, I would use this word, we desperately, desperately in a very good way, we desperately need each other. We desperately need each other. So now, here's the cool thing. This isn't new. This isn't a 21st century phenomenon. Um, when the church began, this was an issue. In the first century, writers actually addressed this um, in the New Testament where we read this morning in the book of Hebrews. Um, but this book, in, in particular, is more of a letter. We don't know who wrote it, but somebody who wrote it was so famous that there was copies and copies and copies that were made. They just didn't put their name on it. And it was collected, and it became part of these documents that made up the New Testament. And in the book of Hebrews, this 
first century Christian talks about the importance of community. And specifically, he talks about the issues of not swimming upstream alone. And so that's where we're going this morning. Here's what the author tells us in Hebrews chapter 3. We read this together. This is so powerful. I want to read this first uh, sentence to you in the NIV translation. It says it this way. It says, see to it, talking to us. See to it, brothers and sisters. It's like, it's like he was Southern. You need a see in two. <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard that expression before? You need a see in two. He's saying, see to it. That's my subtitle this morning. We need a see in two. So um, let's read this in the, the Passion Translation. Go ahead and flip over to that. It says, so search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you. And now look at these words. For it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. Make you unresponsive to the living God. Now, who in their right mind would become unresponsive to the living God? I mean, who in their right mind who would know the difference between right and wrong and know that God wants you to do right and then just choose to do wrong? Who would do that? Okay, you could raise up your hand just a little bit like this if you don't want anybody to see, because we all do that, right? You don't have to raise your hands, but we all do that, and that's us. And so I, I, I don't want you to raise your hand, but here's the point. He's saying, look, see to it that none of you who are, in this case, he's talking to Christians. You may not be a Christian, but here's what he's saying. He's saying, for those of you that are followers of Christ, see to it that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you, for it will lead you astray. So in other words, he's just calling out the fact that you have the capacity and I have the capacity, regardless of what we believe or regardless of how long we've believed, we each have the capacity to turn away from the living God. Now, if you're not a believer this morning, if that's you, maybe the reason you're not or maybe the reason you're back for the first time in a while is because, you know, you've just gone through a season where you said, Sean, I, I, I just don't think in these terms. You know, I, I didn't use these terms, but that's exactly what I did. You know, every, everything was going good, and then I turned my back on God. That's a story that you hear. And so why? Why do, why do you see students do that in college? You know, why do, why do guys do that on business trips? You know, why, why do we do that when we feel pressure? Why do we do that after a string of bad luck? And the, the interesting thing is, in this verse, he gives us this solution to drifting. The solution to the problem of being tempted to turn our back on God when things get difficult. And the solution's in this verse, because this is not an individual thing or an individual command. This is an all-in group command. I don't know if you notice the plurals in this verse. Notice that. It says, search your hearts, my brothers and my sisters. Okay, he's talking to a group. See to it, in the New, New International Version, see to it, brothers and sisters, that all y'all, <laughs> if you want to say it that way, this is a plural thing, not an individual thing, search your hearts every day, my brothers and my sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you that makes you unresponsive to the living God. In other words, here's what he's saying. Just kind of restating it here for you. Y'all need to see about each other. <laughs> Let's go south this morning. Y'all need to see about each other. <laughs> Y'all need to see to it. 
That's what he's saying. That's the point. Y'all see about each other. Y'all need to check up on each other. Y'all need to be looking around. This isn't just me. This is plural. This is a group thing. Y'all need to see about each other to make sure that you don't have an unbelieving heart. The person that's sitting next to you in that circle doesn't have an unbelieving heart because that heart turns away from the heart of God. It's so important. The heart that becomes unresponsive to the living God is something that happens within us, right? That's something that happens inside of us. The turning away from God, it begins in the heart. So here's the trick. Since it begins in here, when we begin to turn away from God, we begin to lose interest and we begin to drift. And the drift always, you know, begins not on the outside, but the drift begins on the inside. The drift, the drift begins with a temptation. You know, the, the drift begins with a doubt. The drift begins with a question. You know, I'm not so sure about that, all that self-talk. I'm not so sure I believe this anymore. I'm kind of getting tired of that. Or I'm really not interested. And so the drift begins within. And, and nobody else knows unless somebody is seeing about you. Nobody knows unless somebody has access to you. And the thing is, the access to you and the seeing about you is not going to happen in here because in here, Rose don't know. Rose don't know. Because here's what, here's what happens in Rose. A drifting heart doesn't always show up very well in a row because we're really good at putting on our church face before we sit in a row, aren't we? We can, we can be all up in a huff with the kids in the minivan before we pull into this parking lot. <laughs> and we walk in and, well, before we leave the van, we'll say, we'll finish this later. <laughs> when we get back out of the holy place, right? <laughs> but I'm not forgetting. <laughs> and we'll come in here and we'll sit in church and, you know, we're in a row, we're in a row, we're in a row, we're in a row. And everybody is church ready. We're at church. And so we're good at covering things up, right? And, and nobody knows. Here's the thing. It's easy to just settle into a row and, and the person next to you not knowing. Nobody knows in a row. The only way that anybody's going to know about maybe a drift that's happening in your heart which leads us to a sinful, unbelieving nature, is if you're in a circle and somebody is face-to-face with you and they have access. And so in my world, Deanna's world, we're constantly reminded of this because, you know, we get the phone calls and the messages. You know, for instance, you know, we'll get a phone call with somebody saying, look, here's what's going on with my husband. Please agree with us. Um, you know, this is something that's really tough. Can you help us? We'll, we'll get those phone calls or those, those messages. And, and in other words, you know, it's somebody calling that says, well, I know. And, and, and he knows because, you know, we're, we're in this intimate relationship with somebody. And family is intimate whether we want it to be or not, right? We can kind of know sometime what's going on with our kids. We can kind of know what's going on with our husband, hopefully. We can kind of know what's going on with our spouse, even if you don't have the details. We kind of, kind of know that something is going on. But if, if we're only shoulder to shoulder with everybody else, then there's only ones that know. 
And so I'll call up the pastor and let's, let's see what they can do. <laughs> right? Rows don't know, but circles do. Rows don't know, but circles do. That's why circles, if I can put it another way, I would, I would even say this. Circles are more important than rows. Otherwise, what's happening is we're swimming alone. And then when we're struggling in that upstream alone, what happens is that drift happens. Rose don't know. So the author goes on here and he says, look, I don't want you to have a sinful, unbelieving heart that drifts away. But, and he gives us an an imperative here, a command. He says, encourage each other. It's the next thing he says. Encourage each other. And the original Greek Word translated encourage, it, it doesn't mean encourage like, hey, way to go, good job, you know, you know, looking good. It's not that kind of encourage. What it means in this capacity, in this context, the word when he says encourage each other, it actually means to appeal to, to exhort, to urge strongly, to beg, to implore. So when he says encourage each other, He's saying, I want you to be in each other's lives. (laughs) Right? I want you to know what's going on. I want you to be able to detect when someone begins to drift. And I want you to notice when they don't show up. And I want you to notice when their attitude goes south. And I want you to be in their life to the degree that you can say something about it when that happens. So that a wife never has to struggle alone between something that only she and her husband knows about. So that a husband doesn't have to struggle alone when that happens. The teenagers don't have to struggle alone when something, you know, that's going on at home. That nobody knows what's going on at home except the people in in that circle. And he says, I want you to be in each other's lives in such a way that when something begins to go awry, when something begins to drift, when that drift comes, that begins from within... That somebody notices and has access and has permission to say something. Now think for a minute, for some of us, for some of us that are in the room. Not all of us, but for many of us. Think how different, you know, it would have been for us had our family grown up, had your family of origin, your parents, your brothers and sisters. Think how differently things might have been. It turned out if your father or your mother or both of your parents had been in a relationship in a circle instead of rows. Because a lot of, for a lot of us... We, we had uh, our families growing up in rows just like this, and they were there maybe every single Sunday, but rows don't know. And so it, 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 things didn't show in the row. <laughs> and the author says, encourage each other. This is a command. Encourage each other. But look at this. He kind of gets right up in our face, and he says, encourage each other. How often? Daily. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Daily. And I think that the picture here, what he's getting at is this, this should be a regular, ongoing thing in your life. You should have people in your life. This isn't a, just a once-a-time thing. This is a relationship thing that you have access to people and they have access to you. And he says, this is the time to encourage each other. And this is a reference to the fact that we live in a world where we constantly need this kind of encouraging 
Can I get an amen? Right? And, and, and so he's saying as long as you're alive, as long as we're in this generation of people that struggle with sin and struggle with temptation, you need to be in one another's lives and you need to be in somebody else's lives. And then he goes from there and he gives us what's called in Greek this purpose statement. There's, there's a little Greek word that indicates that the author is going to give the purpose for everything that comes before. And here's what he says. He says, this is the time, that's the purpose statement, to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So let me read this whole verse. This is the time to encourage each other. Why? Here's the thing that you want to avoid. Here's the result that you want to avoid. To never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So now, sin's deceitfulness, that's so interesting. You know, in the New Testament, the New Testament authors, specifically the the Apostle Paul, you know, they would personify sin. What does that mean? Well, they, they, they would talk about sin as if it were a person, like, almost like an entity, um, as a living and active thing inside of us. So sin may not in reality be that, um, but to think about it as a living, active thing on the inside of us is actually kind of helpful. And here's what he's saying. Sin deceives you. Sin deceives you. We think of sin as an activity and we think of it as, as something you know, that I do, but the author here in Hebrews and the Apostle Paul in particular say, no, it's deeper than that. There is sin that is residing in you and the problem of sin residing in you and residing, residing in me is that it deceives us. So now, the way that we experience it many times is it's not you know, like the little, you know, devil that's sitting on our shoulder that like we see in the cartoons. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like who said that. Most of the time it's not that. We just talked about the giant of self. Many times it's us, right? It's that self-talk. The way this actually works many times is we talk to ourselves into doing stupid things. <laughs> and so we deceive ourselves and we begin this self-talk. Well, it's almost like I don't have any choice. I mean, in this matter, you know, who would blame me? at work, if they just knew my circumstances. You know, I don't even think I want to be married anymore. I just don't feel it today. I think I'd be happier. I think I'd be more fulfilled. I think I would be, you know, more satisfied. My parents will never find out. And so there's all this soft talk that's going on, and we have all this self-talking, and before long we start believing all the self-lies that we're speaking to ourselves. And, and here's what the author of the text is saying. He says, the best defense against self-deceit The best defense against talking ourselves into sometimes stupid things that we do and out of the wise things, the best defense is not you. The best defense is not me. The best defense is we. Here's some bad grammar. Some bad grammar, but a really good principle. We is the best defense against the deceitfulness of sin. Us. This is us. It's us. Your best defense against the things that you have a tendency to tell yourself that aren't true is us. Not you. And we've all, most of us, we've lived long enough to know that this is absolutely the case. That, that we, the circle, the community, um, is the best defense against the deceitfulness of sin. So let's just play a little game really quick. Um, You don't need to answer this one out loud, but here's the question. I want you to think about it. What are you telling yourself these days? What are you telling yourself? What are you talking to yourself about? Don't suppress it. 
Just kind of let it come right up in front and center. What's, what's it that you're telling yourself? Is it, you know, is it that self-talk? Like, I'm just kind of tired of this. I don't know if I believe this anymore. You know, I don't know why we have to do this. This is a very important question, and I'll tell you why it's very important. Listen to this. This is a very important question because most of us will never tell anyone what we're telling ourselves. Because if we told them, number one, they might think we're crazy. And number two, if they love us and they love God, they might just get in our business. They might have to show us some tough love. But if you do tell them, and they are quality people who love God and they love you, they will tell you, you need to change your stinking thinking. And they might even tell you that what you're telling me right now is the most destructive thing. What are you thinking about? And here's the power of this. And some of you have experienced this. This is so powerful when we take these potentially self-destructive thoughts and those potentially, well, I'm going to lie to myself thoughts. And when you get them out and in front of somebody or somebody's, and they begin to say back to you what you've been thinking, and suddenly you start to see it a little bit differently. And yes, they may think you're crazy, but they may keep you from making some crazy bad decisions. <laughs> Is it worth it? Again, for some of you, you know, I wonder, you know, if, if we had an older brother or sister that had just put it out there for us, you know, before we made that bad decision when we were younger, you know, I think you're, you've lost your mind, brother. <laughs> and that would give us the opportunity to be able to say, you know what, you know, now that you say it, yeah, maybe you're right. I'm not going to do that. What if somebody had been there? Your father, your mother. What if somebody had been there for you for 20 years ago? This is the power of community. To have somebody with some tough love to say, you know what? Let's sit face to face and let's have a conversation about this. This is the power of circles. And then the writer's point is basically this. He says, the drift begins within. This is the point of the whole passage. The drift begins within. So if you want to do something about the drift that begins within, you've got to let somebody in. <laughs> Does that make sense? If you want to do something with what starts here, we've got to let somebody in to the within. <laughs> the drift begins right here always. And then it makes its way into the real world. And here's what he's saying. If you will allow somebody in while it's still within, it will keep you from doing things that you regret later. It'll keep you from drifting. And when, then he wraps up this whole thought with a couple of verses, and it almost kind of looks like he changes the subject. Here's what he says in verses, verse 14. He says, we have come to share in Christ. That is, we've become believers. We've become believers in Christ is what, he, is what that means. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly till the very end. So he says, here's how you know that you're in Christ. Here's how you know that you're a follower of Jesus, that you're hanging on to that original decision that you made as a child or a teenager or a college student or as an adult, that you hold on to that initial decision. Remember, if you're a Christian, you know, when you made the decision to follow Christ, he says, remember that time 
that original commitment, that original decision, that original conviction, the way that you know that you're in Christ, the way that you know that you're connected to God through Jesus is that you're hanging on to that original conviction. Now, here's this point in bringing this up, and this is important too, so catch this, that if the drift that begins in here, if it goes unchecked, what does it lead to? Unbelief. This is so important. This little thing that begins inside of us, which is many times just a little thing, the drift begins there. But that drift, it makes its way into our marriage. It can make its way into our finances. It can make its way into our relationship with God. And he says that itty-bitty little bitty drift that starts here, that one small thing has the potential to lead to unbelief. In other words, one thing can lead to everything. That one area of drift, that one thing can undermine everything. That one thing can lead you to the place where you don't believe. Look up here for a second. For some of of us, that's our story. You know, we've had this story. It's been part of our story. When you decided, you know, that there was going to be a, a little disconnect, you know, in your marriage or, 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 or disconnect or just kind of doing your, your own thing, it wasn't this theological discussion that was happening inside of you. This wasn't, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm going to be an atheist and just do whatever. It, 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 it wasn't that. It was, it was part of our story. It was, I met this girl um, when I was 24. And when you met the girl, it wasn't like, well, I met the girl. I don't believe in God. It wasn't that. It was, you know, it's more like I met this girl, then I took this job, and then I I went to do this. And and it starts off with the smallest thing. And it can be the smallest drift, and the next thing you know, it's impacted your whole faith. And this is his point. This is what he's saying. He says, you must hold on to that original conviction. So how do we do it? How do we hold on to that original? It's, it's by not allowing yourself to be tricked by deceitfulness of sin. But how do we do that? How do I keep myself being tricked? He said, by being in a relationship with other people who have permission to speak into your life. Because one thing has the potential to undermine everything. So this is important. So if you intend to not abandon the whole faith thing, then you have to pay attention to the little things, right? I mean, that just makes sense. And the way that you pay attention to the little things is by allowing somebody in. Now, I have, I I just, I believe I have some really amazing people in my life. Um, You probably do too. Um, But I have have some pretty people, amazing people in my personal circle. And I've met, I have several people that I meet with regularly that I would consider, you know, part of my fight club, if you were part of that message series a few months back. You know, people that I, that I hang out with that have access into my life and, and uh, um, you know, have permission to speak into my life. And they, they come into my life and sometimes they'll walk into even my office and they'll ask the question, are you okay? And in fact, I've, I've been in, in a pretty rapid fire mode for most of January in this new year, you know, with the growth track launching, all good stuff, 
exciting stuff. We had a staff retreat in January, you know, figuring out the whole financial side of, of doing ministry and praying into this season of, of launching connect groups. It's been a lot of stuff. And sometimes, I don't know, maybe some of you guys find yourself doing this, but I can almost wear myself to the bone and not even realize it. Sometimes that happens. And so Pastor Derek many times has poked his head into my office, more than a few times, I think, even, even this last month. And he said, are you, just poked his head and said, Sean, are you okay? <laughs> because I, I, you know, and, and it makes me, when he, the couple times that he did that, I had to kind of check myself. And, you know, I kind of responded, the, the times I'm thinking about it, I was like, I think I am, you know, <laughs> I think I'm doing all right. And, you know, he said, well, you're looking a little off today, so I, I just thought maybe that I'd check in and make sure that you're okay. And I responded and said, how dare you? I'm a pastor. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, when he did that, that was important for me because it, those times that he did that, it prompted me to take a look at myself and ask myself some pretty important questions like, Sean, do you have some drift in your life? Is there some things, are, are you making some decisions that maybe aren't the best decisions? Am I making, there's some things that I need to check up on. Because when he asked the question, I'm like, I think I am. <laughs> I need people like that in my life, and so do you. And so it's important to me, it's important for us to have those people in our life. So I just want to say thank you. For those people, thank you to Derek and for those others in my life who are seeing about me. Thank you for not just sitting back and praying silently. Lord, I pray that you'd send somebody to Sean. Lord, let him see the light. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you'd send somebody because he needs help. <laughs> now, I have people in my life who are willing to take a risk, even at the risk of offense. To reach in, to leverage our relationship, and to see about me. Deanna's one of them, of course. <laughs> Brent's another one, Pastor Brent, who's coaching me as a transitional pastor in this role. And it's so funny because, you know, he's like, if you know Brent, he's like the most encouraging person in the world anywhere. And it's so hard for him to poke and to prod, but he does it. You know why? Because he loves me. So he pokes. <laughs> and I need that. And you need that in your life. So here's what the author is saying, if I could just kind of summarize it. He says, see to one another on a regular basis so that none of you is tricked by sin and drifts away from the faith that has made such a difference in your life up until now. See to one another. I've just got a, a few quick things and then it will be done. Five things. This one's good. Number one, you got to get in each other's business. <laughs> now, some of you, I, I say that and you're like, well, you know, well, I'm out. <laughs> because you don't know my business. Well, here's the thing. We need, we need other people in our business sometimes to, to look at, <laughs> to look at us from the outside perspective and see the craziness and the decisions that we're making sometimes because we're blindsided. We don't see it for ourselves. 
And to have somebody to come alongside of you, whether it's for me, Derek, or Brent, or all, many other guys that you know, I meet with, you know, that I've given permission, it's, it's, we need somebody that will come up next to us and maybe punch us in the shoulder a little bit harder than we would like <laughs> and give us a little bit of tough love. Because we've drifted, and we don't see the drift, but they do. So we need to allow people to get into our lives, even if it's ugly, even if it's messy. I don't want anybody to see in my life because it's a mess. Well, let me give you a little tip. Let somebody in to help you clean it up. (laughs) Now, it's important to me that that person loves God, first of all, and that they love me. Because then you're going the same direction. You're going the same direction upstream together. But let somebody have access and get in each other's business. The second one I have there is this. Prod and pry and ask those pesky questions. <laughs> if you were here for the Fight Club series, you, you know about the, the questions that we have um, for our Fight Club. You know, we ask the questions about, so how are you doing this week in your relationship with God? Where are you at? Are you filled up? Are you dry or spent? Well, man, Sean, I, I haven't opened up. I haven't cracked my Bible open in two weeks. I'm feeling a little dry. Okay, let's pray about that. Let's do this together. Let's, let's ask God to fill you back up because we don't want to see you walking dry. And I'm going to be your brother and I'm going to be with you. And let's see God do this. It's a brotherhood, right? I'm not doing this alone, and so I'm going to ask, and I'm going to pry, and I'm going to ask some uncomfortable questions maybe, but we need that. We need some people to get in our lives and to to prod and to pry, and does that sound like it's a good time? Maybe not, (laughs) but how many of you are in a relationship with people that you have allowed access to, and they're some of the most faithful and committed people to you in your life? They're the ones that you know have got your back. They're the ones that love you because you've experienced life with them. You've cried some tears with them. You've probably, they probably laughed at you as well. <laughs> but they've done life with you. That's, that's what was happening with our, our, our alpha group. We laughed. We cried. We went through some stuff together. We had the weekend retreat experience together. We asked some difficult questions. Give people access. The, the third one is circle up. Circle up on a regular basis. Why? So that none of you who are tricked by sin will drift away. So not just drifts away from relationship. That kind of drift happens. Not just drift away from a a good habit. Not just drift away from diet or exercise or budget. We're talking about drifting away from faith. So that's why this is so serious. Circle up. Rose don't know. I uh, communicated with a group of leaders that I had in front of me uh, earlier in January when we first started dreaming with some of them about what it would look like to launch uh, small group communities, connect groups is what we're calling them, going into March. And I said, I know that you guys, you know, got together and you had this whole process and you hired Pastor Deanna and I to come and preach and be on the pulpit and, you know, lead some services and some experiences that we have on Sunday morning together. And this is really important. You know, us gathering together is really important in this big room. But let me tell you something. I can't pastor everybody that's sitting in this room on a Sunday morning. 
And I can't see everybody's story that's sitting in these rows. We need people who are sitting with you in circles that know when you're missing, that know your story, that have cried with you. And I'll cry with you if you invite me in. But listen, there, I'm not going to be able to sit and have a conversation with every single one here. I can't do it. And so when, when I got the group of leaders in the room, I said, guess what? We're all called to pastor each other. We're all called to, this is the family of Christ. This is the beauty of the family of Christ in community. If we have somebody that's hurting, man, I hope you have some people that you're doing life with that you've given access to that you'll allow in to hurt and to cry with you and to be a brother or sister with you and walk you through that. We need that. Circle up on a regular basis. That's that's what we'll be talking about coming into March, our connect groups. Here's the thing, if you're drifting, you know, you're not thinking about abandoning God. It's just a little drift. And he says, you know, if you don't pay attention to the little things, it could cost you everything. That's what he's saying. Now, now we know this, right? Have you ever watched, have you ever watched a friend make a really bad decision? And you watched them maybe make this, this bad decision financially, or, or you saw them and you're watching them and they're making this bad relationship decision. You're thinking to yourself, oh, this is way too soon. And, you know, have you ever watched a friend make a bad decision? You don't need to raise your hand. (laughs) But it was so obvious to you that they were making a bad decision. Let me let you in on a little secret. Did you know that when it comes to you, there is somebody who has the potential to see what you can't see about you? And the decision that you're making right now. And they will either have access to your life or not. And do you know who determines whether they have access to you? Who can see what you're doing in a way that you can't see? The only person that determines that is you. So to avoid the drift, someone must have access, permission to appeal, to exhort, to beg, as the original Greek says, to implore, if need be. Because at the end of the day, regardless of your background, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, regardless of whether or not you are a believer, here's what we know about all of this. We all need a CN2. <laughs> we all need CN2. This is the reason that this whole connect groups thing that we're launching into. It can't be peripheral thing. It can't be an add-on thing. But relationship has to be central to the life of who we are as a family. So the, the, can I just say this? We just had our staff retreat um, in January, and we were kind of sharing goals and, and things that the pastoral staff, about what, what God was leading to us uh, to kind of step into for this year. And the, the only numeric goal that we set kind of forward before us for this year, the only numeric goal that we have has to do with groups this year. Now, we don't have a financial goal. We don't have an attendance goal. We don't have, 
you know, how many church plants, none of that. And those are all important things. Please hear me. We have a budget. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to be as financially responsible as we can be and pray for growth there. And we're going to continue to evangelize and reach people. That's our mission. We're not going to detour from that. You know, and we're going to continue to raise up leaders and seek to mobilize and deploy and you know, plant people into life and into ministry. None of that's going to change. But for us to grow deep, this is something that God's really asked us to press into. Relationship and community has got to be central to everything that we do. We want to, here's my prayer. I just want everybody to be in a circle because I don't want anybody to drift. So, if you've fallen out of community or if you've never been in community and if you've found yourself saying that <laughs> in our American culture, what we like to say, well, I'm just too busy or maybe, you know, a group that you're in ended. And we, I'm just encouraging you as we kind of press into this for this month, and I'm going to be talking about it for a couple more weeks, that you would pray about engaging and going beyond a row and going beyond just a weekend experience and God can do amazing things, and he does and will continue to do amazing things in this room. But what if, but what if we took it a little bit further? What if we took a step deeper and allowed people access into who we are? And so this March, we're going to make this concerted effort to connect more people than maybe we ever have before. I don't know. We'll see what God does. But I just pray it's something, you know, I, I said it at the beginning. I can't, this is not something that you can program. You can't program circles. We can kind of provide the pathway or the, maybe the structure for it. But who's the one that allows access? It's you. Um, so that's, that's the challenge. That's the encouragement. That is, I believe, God's word to us as a church family for this season. Would you stand with me? I believe that as we go deeper together, as we allow access into our lives together, that there will be a deeper impact in this room It'll have an impact in this room. When we go and meet in our living rooms and when we go and meet in the classrooms and do the alpha class together and when we go do the growth track together and we do all those things and we, we meet over food and we climb mountains together, whatever it is your small group's gonna do because we have all sorts. We have an entrepreneur group. We have a, a married group. We have all these are in process and in plan right now. We have a group that wants to go and take you up on a mountain and go hiking. We've got all of those in process. All of them in plan is already. Whatever type of community that we get into, you know what happens is that relationships start building and forming and affects what happens in here. That's why this is so important. So Father God, we did this in the first service. Let's just do this again just as an act of, of community. Would you grab the hand of, of the, the person that's next to you? I would just pray this morning, Father God, bind us together. Lord, you are so good and so powerful and so big, Lord. 
we just pray, oh, you'll take that what you're doing here on Sunday mornings, but it would infuse in every area of our lives and you would give us maybe the boldness and the courage to take it a step further, God, and, and allow people to have access to our lives, to poke us and prod us, Lord, to even, maybe even further step into the calling that you have for us. Because we don't even see it, but there's a drift. So God, open our eyes. God, I pray, Lord, that this just won't be a program. It won't be a programmed thing, but it will be a God thing. Lord, that you've called us to love you. And Lord, as we fall in love with you, we'll fall in love with those people that are sitting next to us in rows. And as that happens, Lord, we'll get in circles. And as we get in circles, God, there'll be more that will be invited in in relationship. And we'll see our body grow as a result of our love for each other. And we'll see our body cared for each other well. That we won't see people falling through the cracks, God. but that we'll see and that we'll know and we'll care because we've done life together and we've allowed access. So God, do that in us this morning. God, we'll do the, the thing that we can do, but God, you do the miraculous through us. God, we just make ourselves vulnerable this morning. In your mighty name we pray. So, come on, yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is a picture of us that I believe the, the, the Bible paints pretty vividly, and that's, that's the body of Christ living together in community and doing ministry together. And that's what we're pushing into. Um, and like I said, there's, there's already so many pockets, pockets of it happening. We just want to see it grow. We just want to see more. We just want to see more God, more of you.